Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journey of two independent iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer from Leicester, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our independent journeys. All right, so uh, this week Apple have announced that WWDC is going to be taking place in San Jose this year. Um, which is south of San Francisco, I believe. Um, Dave, I don't know if you've ever considered maybe going to WWDC one year. I know it's a sort of a goal of mine as an indie to finally get out there, um, but that's yet to happen. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Um, it's just so expensive. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd really love to go. Uh, something that's you know been on my list of things that in my lifetime I'd like to do in one way or another. Um, but just the sheer expense of it, to be honest, means that I don't think it's something I'll be able to do for quite some time. Yeah, I'm in very very much the same boat. Um, I mean, from our point of view, flights are going to be a lot of money from the UK. Yeah. Um, and then once you get there, you have the delight of San Francisco hotel room rates, which are very, very expensive. Um, yeah. And I think any economy that might have been in San Jose hotel rates has suddenly gone. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if all the hotels have kind of gone, hang on a second, we can put our rates up here. <laughs> I, I don't really know much about San Jose at all. Um, I, no, I've I've heard it described as, you know, it's, it's much more kind of, it shuts down, it's an office area, it's sort of quite urban. That was kind of my understanding. I mean, San Francisco is... Um, is a much different different experience. Um, I, I went to San Francisco uh, in the summer of 2015. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, this is so cool. I'm in the place where WWDC happens. Um, I'm not sure my wife took the same view. She kind of looked at me with a, a strange look when I pointed at Moscone West and said, look, 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 that's where, that's where, you know. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, just a pure blank expression. Uh, but I, I can only imagine what it must be like when when it when WWDC rolls into town every year. The the, the place must just come come to life. Um, yeah, I mean, just judging by how sort of you know iOS Dev Twitter kind of lights up over that time, and you've got so many people all in the same space. Um, I think it must be quite an experience. Yeah, and even uh, if you don't have a ticket, it must just be a phenomenal place to be for the week because you've got alternative conferences that run alongside. WWDC. Yeah. Um, some of those look really quite good as well. Yeah, I was quite intrigued by layers. Um, that looked like it could be really cool. Um, and then, of course, you've got the things in the evening uh, that yeah. go on, um, like the talk show live. Um, I think Jim Dalrymple does his beard bash every year. Yeah. Um, just be an incredible experience. But again, it's just, it's just, it's just the money. And Aside it's the from money, that. and I don't know if you have a similar experience here, but it, it's the money and then it being solely for you. Um, and I know I have this with, with within my family, with my wife, and, and everything we've got going on. Um, it's a hell of a lot of money just to send me on a sort of fancy iOS-based kind of trip. Yeah, I mean, what you're probably going to be in for, what, 4000 by the time it's all done? Yeah, at least um, hotels, flights, the actual WWDC ticket, 
a bit of walking about money. It doesn't come cheap, does it? No. Um, I seem to recall when we were in San Francisco last year, uh, year before last, sorry, um, we coupled it up with a Vegas and San Francisco sort of little trip we did. And the hotel room in Vegas cost us half as much for double the time. Right. And yeah, the San Francisco room, A, was absolutely no comparison to the room we had in Las Vegas. Um, it was a very tiny little hotel. Um, the room was incredibly small. There was just about enough room to walk around the edge of the bed. Um, and it was twice as much for half the length of time. Um, so that puts me off straight away, ever going back. Um, I would love to go back. It was an amazing place, but the price is, it it really sets a a barrier there. Yeah. It it kind of feels like there, there should be other events around the world, not necessarily at the same time, but kind of tied into the same sort of thing, like the idea of almost a, a rolling road show or something like that that could kind of distribute the effect a little bit. Yeah, they um, kind of did that, didn't they, with the Apple TV? Yeah, yeah, they, they did, did. They did um, a London a London show, show, um, conference. Um, yeah. Then it went to New York and I think other other places. Um, but the thing I'd for me is they, more they, of that. they they release so so much of the content is available online anyway that if it is the kind of the resource of WWDC from a technical perspective that you want, you can get a lot of the sessions and the talks online. Yeah. Um, it's it for me it falls in, almost falls in as a luxury. I know some people go every year and they wouldn't miss it, but I I can't I just can't justify it. And especially now with it being in San Jose, I would be inclined even more so than ever this year. If this year was the year that perhaps I could afford it, I would almost hang on to my money for this year, see how it goes, see what people think of it in San Jose, and uh, take a view on on next year perhaps. Yeah, I think I'd I'd be feeling very similar to be honest. Um, It would feel more like an unknown quantity, and yeah, it would become a harder sell at that point if if we did have that sort of money to sort of play around with. Yeah, I think the big part of the, uh, in, if I'm honest with myself, a big part of the appeal is that I get to spend a few days in San Francisco again, which <laughs> would be <laughs> awesome, but yeah, yeah it's, it's just a cost. All right, so um, at the weekend, I thought I'd bring this up. I used my first pair of noise-cancelling wireless headphones. Um, oh my god, they're amazing, is all I can say <laughs> about it. I totally wasn't ready for how good I thought they were, how good they were going to be. Um, we went away for a bit of a family weekend and uh, my wife's brother had a pair. They were, what were they? The Sony MDR-1000X. Um, quite an expensive name? pair, aren't they? Yeah. Um, rather, I've just done a quick Google on them. Currys have them for three fifty nine ninety nine. That's uh, pounds. So they are very, very expensive. Um, but I, I, I don't know whether I'm impressed at the headphone itself or whether I'm impressed at the, the wider technologies that are being put to use here. I suspect it's the latter. Yeah. Um, I kind of saw Heather's brother using them over the weekend and I kind of showed a bit of interest. Um, I, I thought they were probably just a cheap pair of Bluetooth headphones. 
Um, right. Until I got talking to him, and then obviously it became clear that they they really were not. He he uh, he treated himself to these, um, been saving and researching them for a while, and looking at the reviews, they I'm just looking trusted reviews gave it a ten out of ten. So right, can't be all bad. No. Uh, it was it was the noise cancelling that um, completely completely took me by surprise. Um, yeah, have, have you ever That's used noise cancelling? I've not experienced noise cancelling headphones at all, really. I don't think. Oh, spooky! Absolutely spooky. Um, I put them on. The only way I can describe it. Um, so I put them on with noise cancelling in in effect because uh, you can turn it on and off, and it was on. I put the headphones on, and it felt almost like a change of air pressure, almost like when you're on an airplane and you're coming into land. You sometimes yep. feel your ears changing. It felt like that. Um, and the world fell silent. It was absolutely bizarre. Um, bear in mind, I was in a in a room with a hardwood floor full of nine other people, three of which were either babies or toddlers, <laughs> and it just went completely quiet. Um, obviously, if I really, really, really listened, I could hear like the, a few murmurs. But wow, it, incredible! Um, then I thought <laughs> this is the interesting bit. I thought the sound quality was excellent as well, and given how expensive they were, I thought, yeah, sure, they're going to be good sound. Um, so I tweeted Marco Harmon about it. All um, right, saying, "Have you got any thoughts on them?" Because obviously, he's Mister Headphones, isn't he? Um, yeah. And he came back saying he thought the sound quality was abysmal. so i don't know what to think anymore um he's tried quite a lot of headphones i'm led to believe yeah hasn't he hasn't he just um it makes me wonder whether i'm just looking for all the wrong things in a set of headphones um i have a friend who's got a pair of bang and olufsen h6s um and i would call them tinny whereas he would call them pure so I think I like a bit too much bass, maybe. Possibly. That's, I think that's pretty much how I define a good headphone. If it sounds bassy, to me it sounds expensive. Right. Um, I mean, I, I put these Bang & Olufsen headphones on thinking, oh, wow, these are going to sound amazing. And I was like, they're a bit tinny. And, <laughs> and he kind of looked at me with pure disgust. <laughs> He's like, no, it's pure, it's pure. It's you know, And, and he'd, he'd bought this very expensive uh, digital analog converter that comes out of his iphone and then into the headphones and oh wow yeah for me to call it tinny was quite an insult i think <laughs> looking back on it but um i think um it's important with headphones to kind of you've got to find the right pair for you um everybody's hearing's got different levels inside of it anyway different bits that you miss out um and uh, yeah, I think if you personally get on well with a particular type, then that's really all there is to it. You know, regardless of anybody else's opinions, anybody else's reviews, um, it's got to suit you. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's yeah. it's going to be a very uh, subjective thing, isn't it? Yeah. And that Bang and Olufsen instance probably reflects that quite well, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm I'm very similar. I've got a friend who's um, a bit of an audiophile, and the things that he picks up on, I can't say I necessarily pick up on at all. Um, no. I'm quite happy listening with a, a sort of relatively cheap pair of headphones. They're oh, I can't remember exactly what model they are now, but they're by a, a brand called Mix, spelt with three X's. Um, okay. And I bought them because they had. 
hooks with a, an adjustable wire on them. That means they sort of curl around the top of my ears. Um, the way they're designed, they don't fall out of my ears. That's a problem I seem to have with every sort of in-ear headphone. Um, so are these wireless? They're wireless, yep. I, oh, I got okay. them in anticipation of going over to an iPhone 7 last year. Would you um, say that you are kind of... Would you ever go back to a wired pair? Um... With my phone, no. No, I can't say I'd be particularly bothered to have a wire pair now. Sort of sound quality or not, um, convenience is, is more important, really. That's what that's what struck me, because I've always kind of been of the opinion that, oh, well, I'll just uh, have a wired pair of headphones. That's fine, because um, I always kind of, when I go out walking with my uh, ear pods, not air pods, ear pods, um, I kind of <laughs> feed them underneath my jumper, and then they come up and... So yep. you don't have the wire dangling, and I've always thought, yeah, that's fine. It's not a problem. I don't know why anyone would need wireless. Yep. Having used these new uh, Sony headphones, yeah, I'm 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 totally sold on it. It, it was incredible. Yeah. A particular feature I did like um, was the noise cancelling. Obviously, uses microphones to pick up the outside noise, then inverts the frequency, yep. so it kind of cancels it out. But what you can do is you put a, a hand up to one of the um, ear cups and sort of palm over it and then it activates the microphones and feeds in the noise of the outside world into your ears so you can still hear and talk to people oh that's really quite cool without having to take your headphones off that it's kind of sneaky as well because um you can kind of listen in on conversations (laughs) (laughs) people think you're just sat there with your headphones on listening to music if you just put your hand up you can hear everything it's uh yeah yeah not sure that's, well, that's quite what they intended for it when they made that feature, but nevertheless, I found it amusing <laughs> in a room full of people over the weekend. <laughs> but yeah, two two thumbs up. Um, I'm going to... I think my plan, obviously, is probably not to spend £360 on a pair of headphones. I might... I think I'm sold on the technology at large as opposed to that specific pair of headphones. So if I can do you find think, myself um, uh, a Do you think maybe pair, the, maybe the AirPods might suit you? Uh, maybe I don't. I struggle with my ear pods a little bit in that they come loose in my ear. I find if I'm going out walking, I'm constantly readjusting and fiddling around with them. Um, which is fine because they came with a phone, and, and you know, I didn't pay a lot of money for them. Um, yeah. If I'm making a conscious purchase, I might be a bit more picky about that. And I do like the over-ear headphones a lot. Um, yeah. I've always quite wanted a decent pair. Um, so I'm tempted just to try and find a, a rather bassy-sounding, cheapish Bluetooth pair of headphones. Um, so watch this space. So I, I would say maybe <laughs> maybe check in on this in a month. Probably find out yeah. I've bought nothing and I'm just sort of carrying on as I am. But yeah, I, I, I get it now. I kind of get why they removed the headphone jack in the iPhone. Um, and I kind of get where they're clearly trying to push you this way, aren't they? They yeah. being Apple. Um, and I was, I, I kind of didn't understand it. Um, but now I think I do. Okay. So Dave, one of the, um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about for a little while on this show, um, is about whether or not you think that a degree is sort of necessary to do what we do. Um, in terms of iOS development and 
I guess, development in, in general. Yeah, there's a couple uh, of worms there. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I know a lot of positions, they expect you to, you know, when you apply for a job, for a role, it's expected that you have, you know, a, a degree of one sort or another. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a bar of entry to sort of certain certain roles within the industry. Um, but actually, I think as an independent right now, I've kind of got a different view um, as to whether that's really necessary. Uh, for myself, I've, I never got a degree. So, I mean, I'm, I'm 34 now. Um, it would have been 13 years or so ago that I would have graduated. Um, and essentially, I, I went to university and I did four months. This was when I was around 19 years old. Um, and I dropped out. And the the long and the short of it is that I was on a a course that wasn't right for me. I wasn't particularly enjoying it overall. Um, Essentially, I I found at that point there wasn't enough Um, hands-on. Part of my course, I was doing a joint course, um, computing and psychology. And what I found is that the computing wasn't hands-on enough for me. I, I wanted to be coding i wanted to be getting into the nuts and bolts of of how that side of things worked and the the coding that we were doing as sort of first years introductory was very much kind of here's a, a java ide and if you test the syntax and it doesn't come back with any errors then we'll move on to this next little bit uh, and that yeah. was yeah no real explanation about things really wasn't getting under the sort of hood of how stuff worked. Um, and at that point I already kind of knew how to program bits of C. Um, I'd done, it was Pascal programming when I was at college and I hated that, but I still knew that. Um, and so it just really did nothing for me. And the psychology part of my course was a running repeat of everything that I'd done at a level. Um, I mean, I know now that the first year of a university course is to sort of try and get everybody up to the same kind of standard and at the same sort of speed. Yeah, it's like a leveling um, up, isn't it? Yeah, and I didn't really sort of have that that kind of view at the time. Um, so I voted with my feet. Um, I went in one day, looked through the the little window in the door into the computing lab, um, turned around and walked back out again, uh, went back to the, the house that I was sharing with some friends at the time, had a cup of tea and sort of said to my, my housemate, I think I'm done with the university. Um, so that that was that. Uh, not long <laughs> after that, I sort of ended, ended up in um, the working world. You know, I needed to get some cash. Um and I was rather fortunate, really, that the job that I took um, eventually led to another job within the same company, um, which led to another job. And all before I knew what was happening, I was actually inside of um, a career in terms of data analysis, um, small database development, um, lots of hands-on, lots of pulling data from here and there and everywhere and, and kind of coding on the fly. Um and in a lot of ways, I don't think I really look back. Uh, sort of fast forward all the way through to this last year. And again, 
I wanted to learn iOS development a few years ago. I started teaching myself outside of work, um, ultimately leaving the job that I was in last summer and kind of pursuing this more kind of independent um, approach to work that I've been doing since. Um, so I'd very firmly argue that if, if you're going to be independent, a, a degree is definitely not necessary. Yeah, I, I would be very much uh, inclined to agree with that. Um, um, for me, I almost got a degree, which is a slightly odd thing to say. Um, I think before I dive in, I should probably almost a little disclaimer is that I think the answer to a question like this is always very subjective. Um, yeah. And, you know, personal circumstance can sway it a lot. Um, but for what it's worth, you know, I'll give my two cents on it. Um, so I don't have a full degree. Um, I kind of almost got a full degree, but didn't get a full degree. Um, so after I finished college when I was 18, I took a, a gap year. Um, I didn't do any traveling, but I worked full time. Um, that was kind of an intentional move, purely so I could stash money while I was living at home for yeah. what was essentially peanuts. Um, the idea being that I could maybe one day have a some money to put down on a house or something like that. I was kind of trying to play the longer game. Um, then at the end of my gap year or working year, however you want to call it, um, I started looking at a computing degree at a large university, sort of semi near to where I live. Um, then through the application process, it was flagged that I could take the course at my local college, which is 10 minutes down the road. Um, so to me, that was massively appealing because I could do the first two years of the three year degree at my local college. I could still live at home for very little. Um, I could keep my job and still, um, earn at the same time, um, carrying on in the same way during my gap year, really just trying to stash as much money as I can for kind of later on in life. Um, and when you get to the end of those two years at the local college, irrespective of whether you complete the final year, you get what's called a foundation degree, um, which is kind of like a rung down from a, what be, I guess, a BSc, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. Um, so I did my two years at the college, um, and then it was time to up sticks and move. I'd have to move away just because of the distance um, to the university. Um and kind of similar to you, really, to be blunt about it, I thought the course absolutely sucked. Um, <laughs> I, I, got down, I got down there. Um, I found the lecturing to be very impersonal, um, almost like we were kind of cattle in a way, just yeah. being stuffed in these giant halls and then uh, someone comes out and talks at you, not to you, for an hour or so, then disappears through a door and then that's it. Yeah, um, the practical I had a, sessions. I had a very, very similar experience actually. Just to sort of cut back a second. Yeah. Um, when I started at university, my my mentor that I was assigned to, um, we, we we were all sort of walked in. A few of us. He said hello, um, and then he sort of said, "Right, my name is this," and. I'm not going to bother learning any of your names because I've got several thousand students here and I'm never going to remember. Well, yeah. yeah. A, I mean, you can kind of see their position, but I don't... First of all, he didn't 
he or she didn't need to say that. No. <laughs> that was a completely unnecessary statement. Not the uh, best of introductions. No. Um, but you've also, I suppose, got to sympathise with their position, given that they really do have thousands of students that they, they can't get to know you, which is kind of part of the, the cycle of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I took issue with the fact that, you know, the the way that we were taught wasn't very uh, engaging, shall we say. Um, then I thought, oh, it's all right, because you know, there's some workshops and practical sessions, that'll be good. Um, on the whole, I found those to be very ill-prepared, um, to the point where it was a giant mystery that uh, why we couldn't do this session on Oracle. Um, none of the software was working. Um, it turned out the university had had a new installation of Oracle over the summer, and the lecturer had just uh, continued as was, based on the lesson plan for last year when it was a different version and looked absolutely stunned when nothing was working. So that was, there was lots of little instances like that where I just thought, are these guys for real? Is this actually happening? Um, (laughs) I'm spending thousands of pounds. I've moved my entire life down here. Yeah. You know, I've had to move away from people that I'd really rather not have to move away from. Um, It's costing me a small fortune in rent and everything else, um, not to mention the course fee. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't best pleased. (laughs) Um, So after about a month, six weeks, I thought enough's enough. Um, So I started to look at alternatives. And the one that came up um, was the Open University. Um, I had a brief conversation with uh, one of my old lecturers at my local college before I moved down to the university. And um, he was singing the Open University's praises big time. but I, I didn't really give it consideration. It just seemed like the obvious thing to do was to move down to the university and finish it that way. Yeah. Um, but I could transfer my credits from my two years um, that I'd already done, which made up the foundation degree. I could move back home and live very cheaply. And I could take my job on again and keep earning. Um I remember thinking to myself, why why didn't I think of this first? This would have been so much better <laughs> in so many ways. Um, so I started trying to think about how I can actually make this happen. So the issue was, was my room that I was renting out um, near the university. That was costing me, I think, oh, £95 a week. Um, so I'd basically have to keep paying that until the end of the year. Regardless of whether you stayed. Exactly, yeah. Um, right. But as luck would have it, the university did a staggered intake. So even though September had been and gone and the majority of the people had started their courses, I think there was some like medical course that started in November. Right. Um, so thankfully I managed to... Um, I spoke to the landlord guy um, and said that, you know, I know you probably don't really have to help me here because you've got my money anyway, but is there any chance you might be able to read out my room? Um, and he was a really cool guy. Um, and thankfully, we did manage to, uh, to to re-let it, which sort of freed me up big time. And also it yeah. turned out that when I decided to leave, I didn't have to pay the full amount to the university because it was so many weeks after the beginning of the course. So financially, I managed to get away quite quite well there. Yeah. Um, so then I set about the application process to the Open University, um, which 
the application process took a little bit of time, so that's when I started getting into iOS development. Yeah. Um, and on a whim, I just applied for a web development job, um, which it turned out I ended up getting. So that then kind of put me at a bit of a, a situation where I had to choose one extra thing, be that the Open University or iOS development on the side. Yep. Um, you can probably guess which one I chose, given that we're having this conversation. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I'm at, really. Um, I managed to get the job without a degree. Um, and certainly now, as I sort of plan to take my life more independent than ever, I I don't, I don't look back, really. I don't have any regrets. Um, kind of similar to you in that sense, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think that's um that's brilliant really there, Dave. Your your sort of journey from one to the other. Um totally agree with you in terms of for this type of work, the the bar of entry is just knowing um how to do what you're doing. And you know, the you chose to sort of pursue the thing that you were passionate about as your sort of extra thing alongside work. Um, and I think you know, what you what you will find is that it is that approach and that attitude that is going to sort of keep you paid um, in, in the longer term, sort of more than the degree might have given you back at all, really. Yeah, um, I, I read a quote the other day, um, or heard a quote. I'm not I'm not usually into quotes, but I thought I thought this one was quite good. Um, I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit because uh, I can't quite remember it, but it went something like, "Your degree isn't actually worth anything." It's your ability to apply the knowledge you've learned along the way to the marketplace, which kind of adds the value, creates the value, and makes you valuable as a as an employee. Um, so I don't necessarily think, with that in mind, that you necessarily need a degree, because if you've got the ability to apply knowledge to the marketplace, irrespective of where you got that knowledge, I still think you can, yeah, you can make it without one. Totally agree. And I mean, I think that having that attitude outside of an independent kind of environment, you know, outside of being a solo developer or a contractor or a freelancer, um, as an, as an employee, having that attitude to sort of self teach and to, to apply that knowledge, um, makes you a more valuable employee anyway. You know, I mean, if you've got that approach, that attitude, regardless of, of what type of work you're doing, um, I think you can still find success. No, absolutely. I don't know if, for me, getting that web job was partly to do with where, where I live, in that I'm in quite a rural area that uh, there's a lot of small businesses around um, that are maybe more willing to look past the absence of a degree, just because the you know it's hard to find... Um, developers around where I am so yep. I don't know whether that perhaps worked in my favour I remember going into the interview being quite defensive about not having a degree yeah to the point where I almost had a little script in my head um, where I thought if you know if this degree thing ever comes up <clears throat> this is what I'm going to say and I'd kind of rehearsed it um, never came up not once um, it's, it's, it's tricky because we're kind of sort of led to believe you know this is what you do this is the done thing Certainly for if you're going to go into something technical, you should 
pursue sort of higher education you should go after the degree and then you go after the job um i'm i think i've had very sort of similar moments to yourself really where i've been applying for roles um and i've kind of had that little script that sort of justifies okay why don't i have this particular piece of paper um and for me what's happened sort of a little bit further on is that I've really had less and less need to justify it in any particular way anyway, um, because I've got experience. I can talk back about the roles that I've had in the past. Um, and I imagine you're, you're in a fairly similar situation now. You've had that experience with the web development job. You've got the experience of developing your own apps and you'll have this experience of how you're working now. Um, you know, if you decide to go back into salaried employment in the future, I don't think they're really going to be looking as to whether you've got a degree or not. They're going to be trying to find out what you've done and, and how you go about doing um, the things that you do as well. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. Um, I mean, sort of now, uh, what am I, 28? I think I'm now in a position, having got a job without a degree, that rather than be in a position of having wanting to apply for other jobs uh, in the web development business, um, for which having a degree could be very useful. I feel well, now I'm in a position almost to to run a business like that myself. Um, I feel like I've learned so much about business and client management, uh, expectations, managing expectations, scope creep, all of those things that degrees just don't teach you. Um, I, f- I feel I, I, I can just do it now. I, I feel I'm in a place where I can I can almost be in complete control of of my future that sounds a little bit pithy but um, <laughs> I, I i feel like i'm in complete control now i've spent five years in a role i've been very very lucky to have to have had that and have that experience um like you say it is that experience so now i feel like i can i definitely i feel like i definitely do not need a degree especially if i'm going to be working for myself and yeah of course when you work for yourself no one can stop you no one can say you can't um Exactly. Unless, the, of course, you get no clients, but... <laughs> yeah, the only people you have to answer to, really, is your clients, yourself, and then your family. You know, sort of... Um, you don't you don't have to meet, sort of, any particular arbitrary HR kind of driven um, goalposts or anything like that. Um, it's part of the appeal for me, to be honest, uh, about this, this sort of side of work. Um is is kind of being able to just go right okay this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm after and and i think i think it does um it depends what you want out of life as well i think if you want to go move to the city and work for a big blue chip company then i think you probably should get a degree yeah um but it's it's hard to know isn't it what while while you're either applying to or going through university it's hard to know how things are going to pan out um, I find life isn't always by design. Um, yeah. Sure. So it, it, it is It is the safe bet, isn't it? Because it's always useful to have under your belt. You never know when it might come in handy down the road. It's that kind of thing. And if you do have a plan um, that requires a degree, that's also great. Um, and I'd encourage people to get to get a degree. I'm not kind of saying don't, don't do it. But I think for, for me, certainly, um, I did stress a lot about it at the time when I came away from my degree thinking oh, yeah. no, I'm, I'm going to need one of these this is going to be a problem if I don't get this sorted out um, 
I stressed about whether I was making the right choice with choosing iOS development over finishing up the degree. Yeah. Um, that kind of lingered for about a year. Um, but now <coughs> I, I feel, I feel, I feel I'm okay now. I feel like I'm all right on my own. It's, it's one of those things where people really do, um, they, you know, when you're at sort of in your teens, you get told, you know, you, you should go to university that you've, you've got to get a degree. Kind of everybody else is, is, is doing this as well. Um, and it just seems to be, be such a prerequisite for so many different types of jobs as well, because everybody does it and not it, so often it's got nothing to do with what the degree was it's, itself. Mm. You know, it's just the fact of, if I'm going to employ t- two people, I've got two people here who could potentially do this job and I've got to find some way of differentiating. So uh, I'm going to look for the people with the degrees. Yeah, so it becomes this kind of sorting mechanism. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I, I would now. I mean, what is it? 9,000 a year now? Yeah. For tuition fees. I, if I was like sort of 18, 19 again, I think that would stop me in my tracks a little bit more than the 3,000 did. Because it's 3,000 when I did it. Absolutely. I mean, it was not far off that, I think, when I was doing it. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I took, what, four months, and yeah, I didn't have that much to pay back. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think, I think it it would definitely stop me in my tracks at 9,000 now. That, that's getting on for for silly money, what I would call silly money anyway. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've, my eldest child, he's 10, um, another eight, nine years, this could be where he finds himself. You know, do I go to university? Do I take a degree? And there's no way in good conscience I can turn around and say right now, yeah, 27 grand's worth of debt plus a bit more um, is definitely going to be the, the best way to start your working career. Yeah, I suppose with living expenses, it's probably going to be 40 all told, isn't it? By the time yeah. you've had maintenance loans. Yeah. Um, and it just... You could start a business on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> if you had a loan. <laughs> you, could, you could start a business, you could travel the world a bit, you could probably make a pretty good go of living sort of quite cheaply in certain parts of the world. Um, you could start maybe more than one business over that course of time. Um, yeah, I mean, with our businesses, there's no real cost, is there? No. No, I mean, it's, the cost is your time. Yeah. If you can make sure that you can live sort of pretty economically and potentially put yourself um, somewhere that as long as you're connected to the internet and you you have a pool of people that around you in the area that are sort of doing interesting and technical things, um, then I think it's possible to have quite an alternative there, really. Um I mean, I'm thinking, I've, I've listened to a few podcasts like the Tropical MBA, um, where they sort of discuss um, being digital nomads and that side of things. Um, it's certainly possible to do. Um, I'd have I'd have a hard time, like I say, sort of recommending to my, my son, go to university, get this much in debt, do the same as everybody else does. And then expect to get a career from that. 
I actually feel like there's a level of um, kind of cognitive dissonance going on there. You know, if you do exactly the same as everybody else does, then what are you actually doing to stand out? What you What is actually going to drive you in your career? Yeah, I think you need to have something to show people, don't you? Um, I know when I applied for that web job, um, I remember on my CV on the front page, I think I wrote something like, rather than tell you how well I can work in a team as well as independently, here are my core skills, and I just rattled them off sort of HTML, CSS, PHP, MySQL, bang, 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 bullet points, big text. Um, yeah. And I got talking to my boss after he gave me the job, and he said, yeah, that was what did it. He said, I looked through loads of CVs, and I just saw yours, and yours went bang, bang, bang on the things I was looking for. Um, <laughs> he said, to be fair, when I met you, you already had the job. I just wanted to see if you were an all right person. Yeah. Uh, and I gave him a link to a website I had, like a little portfolio. Again, obviously, it was difficult because I didn't have, as a web developer, applying for a web developer job, I didn't have any clients of my own. Hence, I was applying for a, a job because <laughs> they have the clients, yeah. not me. Um, but I just made some like random little tech demos and said, look, you know, have a play around with these links. I've made them. Um, hopefully it shows you what I can do, albeit, you know, they are kind of just meaningless artifacts. They don't do anything, but it, it, it's a demo of what I, I, I can do. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to have something like that. You can't just roll up with your CV, with your degree, you know, on there and expect to get a result. I think you need to do something a lot more than that. Absolutely. Um, and from my working sort of career experience, sort of pre being indie, um, I had to hire people at one stage. I had a couple of juniors working for me. Um, and one of the people that I hired, they, they had a degree. Um, it was within computing, um, but they had no analysis experience. They had no experience of kind of bringing data out of systems and then relaying that back in terms of what that meant to the business um, and that side of things. So the first sort of three months of that person being in the job was really sort of bringing them up to speed and teaching them. You know, their, their experience for the role did not come from having gone to university, um, they, their ability to do the role, rather. It came from their experience whilst in the role and sort of being given that kind of freedom to learn to start off with as well. Um, so when I was hiring them, I, I was looking for an overall skill base, but I was also looking for that aptitude to learn. You know, is, is this is this person going to... Uh, research what they need to, to know. Are they going to sort of look at things, maybe even look at things outside of work? Are they actually improving their sort of general knowledge and skill sets? You know, are they going to be able to get up to the type of speed that we need? Um, I don't think that's that uncommon. I actually think that that's you know, becoming more and more common, certainly in areas of technology and fields where things are sort of moving along all the time. You know, it's an element that you're constantly kind of teaching yourself either a new programming language or a new tool, a new methodology. Um, and so the people that are going to you know, put that effort in and kind of approach things that way um, are the ones that you you want. It's almost like um, it shouldn't have to be effort, isn't it? Yeah. You should be that yeah. guy that wants to go home and flip open the laptop at 8 o'clock at night and just learn something just because you yeah. think it's cool in a way. Um, I think as soon as you become almost like the the nine to five you go in you come home you forget about it while it's important to set boundaries I, I i think once you get if you get to that point 
it's almost the beginning of the end. Yeah. Um, I found it towards towards the end of my time at the job I just left, actually. Um, I, I, I don't know whether I was burnt out a little bit by it. Maybe I'd been there too long. Um, I, I felt myself becoming quite cynical about certain things. Um, and then, whereas I would come home and sort of yeah, try and look up cool things online about web technologies. I, I just found myself being like, nah, I can't be bothered. Um, so it starts to feel too much like work at that point. It, that that was it. It, it felt like work. Um, I think it had almost kind of sucked the life out of me come the end. Um, <laughs> I mean, thank God for the iOS stuff. That was kind of like the breath of fresh air I needed. Yeah, um, and just have that sort of like swing of the pendulum. You're still learning. You're still doing something technological. Um but it's separated from the the thing that you're kind of drudging out at, sort of nine to five. Basically, yeah. 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 All right, so that just about wraps up this episode. Uh, before we go, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me at davewood.uk. You can find me at underscore Dave Not on Twitter. Um, my two apps uh, you can find at armchair remote.com that's my remote control for cody and my latest project space readers um, is an app to help kids learn to read that's at spacereaders.com join us as we discuss the development code and journey oh god <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had like one of those big like X Factor buttons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>